We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. Flying solo today. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is where you can find everything for the show. And it actually turns out better that I'm solo on this one because we got some housekeeping notes and we got a couple of, I'd say, rants on what's been happening in the NFL the last couple of weeks. And in particular, a couple of interesting quarterback uh, conversations, not controversies, but conversations. So, I do want to start the program by saying big ups to the members of the Patreon. We are currently at 55 Patreon members. Would love to, by the end of the year, starting out fresh, if we could get to 100 Patreon members, we're going to be giving back a ton, as we will get to in just one second. Shout out to Nick Chavez, Ben Kotsian, Christopher Vasquez, Derek Platis, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Nick Crummich, Thomas Robinson, Mike Wozniak. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your contributions to the Patreon, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. So we're coming off a 2022 that was amazing for many, many reasons. Uh, Everyone that listens to the show has helped led me and the show to Vegas and to be recording at the win, win Las Vegas, at the Blue Wire studio. So I always try to give back as best I can. And oftentimes I've made it very clear to people in the Patreon that I try my best. It is a one man show. There are some people that do help out with the show, but for the most part, it's, it's recreational or it's people that are doing other things as well. So this isn't a top priority for them, but for me, it is my top priority. So I do try my best to give back to the members of the Patreon and to everyone that listens, because In the end of the day, I do feel like the best endorsement for anything, whether it's a product, a show, or whatever it might be, me personally, it always comes from a friend. It's a friend that has bought a product. It's a friend that has watched a show. It's a podcast that someone listened to that they know my interests, and then they relay the message. So we're going to start giving out shout-outs every week, uh, every episode, to people that are helping build the, the show. 
And like I said, it was a monster 2022. I'm happy in the direction that the show is going. But I really want to put a bigger emphasis on numbers. Um, I've always been someone that feels as if just put out the best product and, and things will happen. But in conversations I've had with a lot of people, we do need to start putting a bigger emphasis on that. And that all starts from you guys. All of you legends that listen to the show, tag us on social, to, uh, ask us questions. If, if I say something really dumb on the pod, tag me, call me out. I have no problems. You guys know I don't take myself too serious and I always like having fun. And this is the next step. Tagging, tagging the guests that come on, tag us that you're listening, comment on the post. It goes a long, long way in the algorithms that are constantly changing and building the brand. And we are evolving. We're adding a lot of new shit to the show as we move forward. I'm going to be taking advantage of some new wrinkles that are going to come about. I've been building out a team behind the scenes and you're going to start getting an idea of who exactly is a part of that team when you see them popping out more and more on the program. So I do want to give back as best I can. And one thing that I'm going to do is one of the big announcements for this show is we're running a pool for the NFL playoffs. It is going to be free to enter. You don't need to be a member of the Patreon. If you're just a listener, if you're just watching this clip on social media and you see it and you want to enter, come on over. It is a free entry. It's going to be all the games in the playoffs against the spread. Whoever comes in first place is going to win $1,000. And there is no, there's no fee to join. There is no, no catch, no hidden shady shit, none of that. Just the link is going to be in the episode. You have until the first games of wildcard weekend. So not this weekend, the following weekend. So we're going to be promoting this for the next two weeks. Uh, shout out to Kenny. Kenny bets big. He put me on to this website that he ran one of his contests for. And it's just a way to give back, man. So whoever wins that is going to win $1,000 uh, around the Super Bowl. So it'll be a nice uh, Valentine's Day gift if you are with a plus one, something you could dabble in. But hopefully we get as many people to join this. It'll be fun. We'll all get to compete. If I happen to win, which I will be entering in this contest too, I'll just give it to second place. Money is definitely going to go out somewhere. It's going to go to a good cause. Hopefully, this is something you guys can get behind. And it's just a way for me to give back to everyone that listens to the show. So I have dropped it in the Discord first for all the members of the Patreon. That's one of the perks you do get in the Discord. I do want to give a shout out to all the members of the Discord in particular because we've made it a little bit more lively. It's been something that I like building out that fan base. And we have a lot of people that contribute on a daily, whether it's betting picks or just commenting. And oftentimes now... I am starting to schedule more ahead and having guests coming in to, to Vegas that will be in Vegas, I should say. So you guys often put those shows together too. There have been many times where I'll have someone on and I'll ask you guys questions. And yeah, I might not particularly say, oh, Bernsey asked this question, but I will take that question and, and, and ask the guest so it gets answered as well. So those are just a couple of the things, man, moving forward in, in 2023 that I definitely want to accomplish. I want to continue to build. Year over year, the show is doing better and better than it was a year before. And that's all that I could ask for. And I know things are working. And I know that we're getting more and more interesting conversations happening and pivoting into a more direct direction for the program. So I'm super excited. Another thing I'm super excited about, and we'll get into some football, the New York Giants are in the playoffs. It's been a long time coming. 
since 2016 was the last time the New York Giants made the playoffs. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to Allen, who back in 2016, him and I got really close. That's when we really became friends. We always knew each other, mutual friends. Allen, who comes on the show every week. But he had asked me how I felt about the Giants going into that playoff game against the Packers. And I was just being a Debbie Downer. And he's like, dude, shut up. Like, bro, enjoy this. You never know when you might make the playoffs again. And then, lo and behold, it took us six years to make it back to the playoffs. So, it's a gift and a curse, right? Because I've been coming on the show every week and sort of laughing at every Giants victory that they have. Because I don't feel like this is a good team. I think it is seriously flawed. But then on the flip side, I do like the direction that they're heading in. I think Dable and Schoen are the right guys for the job. You have a GM and the head coach now who basically helped build the Buffalo Bills that we see now and have seen the last couple of years. And they're building a 2022-2023 type of NFL roster. And that's exactly what you wanted, right? Nowadays, your quarterback... For as flawed as Daniel Jones is, you need to have a guy who can move the pocket. And that is his best attribute. He's a dude that when he gets on the run, he can pick up first downs. He is a mobile quarterback. He, the, the statue quarterback, the Tom Brady's of the world, yeah, there's still a path for them in the NFL. But you need to really, really be elite in order for you to be just a pure pocket passer. Like nowadays, every good quarterback that you think of, they're mobile. And we're not talking running a 4-4-40. We're like, no, look, it's third and eight. Can you pick up a first down with ease with your feet? And that's what you see. A lot of the top teams in the league, for the most part, have mobile quarterbacks. The thing that's interesting about the Giants is they're, they are an annoying team. Whether it's for me as a fan watching them, for you as a neutral just watching football, they're also an annoying team to play because it's easy for you to game plan to stop them, but they do execute at such a high level that it becomes a difficult matchup. Like, look at some of the games that they're in. They're, it's a lot of one-score games. The ball can go in either direction. If Saquon Barkley is on like he's been on this season, a nice bounce-back year for him, it's a difficult team to stop. And, yeah, they're doing it with a lot of no-name wide receivers, but Hodgins, ever since he got cut from the Buffalo Bills, ironically enough, also, going back to the organization that we have now with showing and, and Dable, they had this guy on the practice squad. The Bills cut him to open up a roster spot for Tredavious White, who's one of the elite corners in the league. And the Giants picked him up. And he has over 30 catches, I think, I'm pretty sure, since he signed with the New York Giants. And he fits the system. And yeah, he's not exactly starting on your fantasy team, but dude has been productive. So has Richie James and... Bellinger at, at tight end, and we know about the offensive line improving this year. But I, I really like what they're doing on defense, too. I felt like the strength of the team was going to be the defense. Martindale with all these crazy blitzes. They're keeping them in games and also winning these games. And look, moving forward in, in 2023, next year, right, next football season, Giants are going to play a third-place schedule. And you guys know how much I drive that into the takes and into these projections and into these, the analytics of futures when you're looking at division winners and win totals. Like that's one of, big, one of the big reasons for handicapping, in my opinion, when you're looking at season-long outlooks is what's your schedule? You're going to play a third-place schedule now and you're going to be in the playoffs? That's a win-win if you're the New York Giants. And 
Thibodeau is getting a lot of heat for him celebrating after Nick Foles was on the ground being being treated. Look, man, I think I was just having this conversation with, with Antoine in the control room. It's like, you know, I think nowadays we just look for shit to be upset about. And yeah, was it was it foul that he was celebrating? Yeah, it was messed up. But also the dude didn't know. And he comes out and he says, he's like, yo, I didn't know that he was down. I just made a big ass play in the game. And I'm celebrating like, yo, I missed a little bit of time in the regular season because I was hurt. So I come back and I've been having a lot of success the last couple of weeks. And all right, dude, if, if he was celebrating today on social media, posting pictures of Nick Foles, he'd be like, all right, man, that's kind of a dick move. But for the most part, it's like, bro, bro just made a hell of a play. He's going to celebrate. He didn't know that the dude was down and being treated for. I think that's just people grasping at straws and trying to make something out of nothing and just looking to be angry at something, I think has been the norm for many years now, especially on social media. So that's that's putting a bow on what happened with Thibodeau and the New York Giants yesterday. I'm, I'm excited. I think one of two things happens in the playoffs. I think they upset someone in the first round when they get there, especially if they play like a Minnesota. Or I think if they play like a San Francisco, I think they get their shit punched in. And I think it gets really, really ugly. Because that's the thing with the Giants. If they fall behind double digits, I think it's a wrap. They need to be keeping games one possession. You can still run Saquon. You can still do your play action bootlegs with Daniel Jones and try to move the pocket. But for the most part, if you need to go four wide and Daniel Jones got to throw from behind, it's a wrap. And he's been able to control the time of possession this year with picking up first downs. I think two things could be true. I think Daniel Jones is not the future of the New York Giants. I think he gets franchise tagged next year, ultimately. Remember, in the beginning of the year, they didn't pick up his, his fifth-year option. So that was telling you that ah, we're not exactly sold. And also, he's having the best year that he's had in his career, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But for the Giants making the playoffs, I'm super excited. I'm happy. I think they could get some noise. They could make some noise. But I also think they might get torn up in the playoffs as well. So a team that I think makes the playoffs, and I said this two weeks ago, and that's why I think when people start to understand the difference between sports takes and sports betting takes, it's two different conversations that you're having. And that's been something that I've been trying to pride myself on building our veterans minimum to be because there's two different outlooks that you can look at it. Two weeks ago, after the Green Bay Packers played the LA Rams on Monday Night Football, came on the show and I was telling Alan, I think there's a roadmap for Green Bay to be able to make the playoffs. And I want to step further saying, I think there's a roadmap that they can make it to the Super Bowl. You look at the landscape of the NFC right now. What team do you trust? I don't trust any team. You know how I feel about Dallas year in, year out, right? Anytime it's a big moment, they lay an egg. Do you trust Tampa Bay? Maybe for that first game when they play the Cowboys, you guys know I got the first round bounce dance all tuned up for Dallas. I think that they lose again to Tampa Bay in the first round. So you have those two teams there. Do you trust Philly right now? Philly's been the best team all year, but Philly also is coming in hobbled, right? Jalen Hurts, who was getting a lot of heat for being a system quarterback and not being the reason why they win. I think him missing that game against both the Cowboys and the game that he missed yesterday against the Saints only improves his stock and his value. shows you like, dude, there's a reason why we were the best team in football until I went down. So I think that that really helps his case. But do you trust Philly? Like Lane Johnson's hurt. They've missed some guys on defense. 
I'm a little concerned with that. Could we see Jalen Hurts in a big spot in the playoffs? We saw him last year and he laid a net. Granted, this is a completely different organization, completely different team. He has more weapons. A.J. Brown, even yesterday, balled out with that big touchdown. Do you trust Minnesota? I've been pro-Minnesota all year. Even coming into the year, they were my pick to win the NFC North at plus 280. I thought that was a ridiculous line. I, I loved Justin Jefferson to be Offensive Player of the Year. He's the leading candidate right now. He's like minus 800. Gave him out at 16-1 to 1 at the beginning of the season. But no one trusts Minnesota. Dude, they have 12 wins and they have a negative point differential. That is rare because the games that they've lost look like the games that they lost yesterday, right? They got throttled by Philly, got embarrassed, embarrassed by Dallas at home. They were basically getting embarrassed by the Colts before something happened that has never happened in the history of the sport. And then you play Green Bay yesterday and Green Bay was up four touchdowns the majority of the game. I don't even know what the game ended, but I know Green Bay at no point where they like, oh my God, Minnesota's going to come back. Do you trust the Giants in the playoffs? I don't. So you're looking at the landscape of the NFC, and I was having this conversation last week, and it was like, look, at the time that we were recording, the big game was against Miami. They had to go into Miami. I felt like they were going to win that game. They won that game. But at the time when we were having this conversation, the Packers were plus 600 to make the playoffs. 75 to 1 to win the NFC. 150 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Fast forward two weeks later. Now the Packers this week, looking ahead, they are minus five favorites at home against Detroit. They are minus 280 to make the playoffs because they're in a winning or in situation with Washington losing yesterday. So they're minus 280 to make the playoffs. They are 12 to 1 to win the NFC. Said 75 to 1 a couple weeks ago. And they're 25 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. 150 to 1 a couple weeks ago. So sports betting is all about trying to map out a potential path or a schedule like we did with the Packers there. And now you're looking at it, why would you bet the Packers to win the Super Bowl now when two weeks ago we gave them out at 150 to 1? Do I think they ultimately win the Super Bowl? No, but we're talking about like a value and holding that ticket. You'd be able to cash out this ticket now in some sports books as well. So that's the thing, like finding the spot. The Chargers are another team. If I wasn't financially invested in the Chargers from August, I'd probably be betting the Chargers now because they check all the boxes of a team that I love getting behind this time of year. They're getting their guys healthy. They just got Bosa back. Herbert's playing at a high level. The wide receivers are back. You see how different they look when they're over there. And they're 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So that's the thing. You got to find these spots and these path to victories. You guys know how I feel. I don't like betting the favorite because over time, it's very rare that the actual chalk favorite is the one that goes and wins it, unless it's a World Cup, like we also mentioned a couple of weeks ago when that was happening. But now the Packers, this is, this is why you sometimes have to look at schedules, look at paths to see like, yo, if they make it past Miami, and look, I'll be honest with you, after I made the bets that I made on the Packers to make the playoffs, Packers to win the NFC, Packers to win the Super Bowl, I money-lined the Dolphins in that game because I, I knew based on that schedule, they were going into Miami. If they didn't beat Miami, then they're out of the playoffs. So let me make some of that money back. But I was rooting to lose it because then exactly what happened, happened. 
They closed as a four-point favorite against Minnesota. They played that game at home. And now they got Detroit at home as well. So all signs are pointing to Green Bay getting in. I'm expecting them to get in. And look, that game just got flexed to Sunday Night Football because Detroit is also in a winning you're in scenario as well. But Rodgers at home, prime time for a chance to make the playoffs for as wild and as wacky as this season was for him. Hell, the last like three seasons for Aaron Rodgers have been wacky despite winning back-to-back Super Bowl, uh, excuse me, back-to-back NFL MVPs. I think Christian Watson has emerged. The running game has emerged. They, they got some guys back on defense. I'd be very cautious if I'm playing the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. I think they get by Detroit. And then, look, they're going to play Minnesota in the first round after what they just did to Minnesota. And if you go back and you watch that game in week one, like Christian Watson drops, doesn't drop that pass. That's a tie game. And who knows how his season looks completely different because then Aaron Rodgers trusts him also. And he's not going through it with that big drop in week one. So I think the Green Bay Packers are a team you definitely, definitely need to keep your eye on. And I think they will have a quarterback advantage over every single team that they'll play in the playoffs. They play him in the wild card round. You're going to trust Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers? Purdy over Aaron Rodgers? I think it's something that you definitely need to consider and, and put in your mind that the Green Bay Packers might be in the Super Bowl or at least in the NFC title game. So that's, that's my rant on the Green Bay Packers. I want to end this pod with two quarterbacks that I strongly believe will not be on the team that they are on now next season. Let's start with the obvious one, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, shouts to my guy Kenny, Kenny King Jr. and to Raider Cody. Uh, they had the boy go somewhat viral last week when they reposted one of my tweets. And I do want to bring up that tweet because I was getting a lot of heat from Raider fans, but I was also getting a lot of praise from Raider fans. And man, Raider Nation is, uh, despite changing Josh Jacobs' career and altering that as I look at Antoine in the control room, as I said, he was mid and then he just, you know, did something only Marcus Allen has done for the Raiders over 2,000 scrimmage yards. But you look at, you look at what happened with Derek Carr, right? And this was my tweet. I'll take him any day of the week. Wild disrespect towards the most stable thing the Raiders have had at QB in a long-ass time. And it got reposted, got over 147,000 engagements, a lot of comments, a lot of likes. A lot of it had to do with Kenny and with Raider Cody. So big ups to them. The conversation around Derek Carr, I think, is very upsetting. I think you got to take a look at it from an outsider's perspective. That's why I feel like I'm someone that can speak on this because I don't have no dog in the race. I'm not a Raider fan. Uh, I've always been a Derek Carr guy, but this isn't something where I would like attach my bandwagon to. But I think the situation is super sad. And here's why. Since he entered the NFL, his defenses overall rank 31st in the league. If you're new to the program, welcome. Subscribe before you go. And if you're new to football, there's 32 teams in the league. So only one team had a worse defense in his entire career in the NFL than what Derek Carr has had with the Oakland Raiders and now the Vegas Raiders. He's had five coaches in the NFL since he was drafted. And we know how one of them ended with that chaos around John Gruden last year. Which, by the way, what about the way Derek Carr handled that entire situation, which last year they were throwing all this shit at Derek Carr and the Raiders. And what was Derek Carr doing? 
addressing every press conference, standing up for his guys, standing up for his team. He addressed the Henry Ruggs situation too, which a guy who, I didn't know this at the time, but he was very close with Henry Ruggs also and what happened with him and his career and now being out the league and facing potential prison time with that incident that he had. You had Derek Carr being like the leader. I was on the show every week saying like, yo, he's not, he's not technically an MVP candidate because of his numbers, but like, bro, I would vote for Derek Carr for MVP last year. If you're just looking at most valuable to his team and how he weathered the storm and all the chaos that was around him, like he handled it like an adult. You guys know how I feel about the franchise quarterback. To me, Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. For a decade now, they haven't needed to address the quarterback position with the Raiders because he's been stable. Despite all this chaos, his best weapon, they traded away, Amari Cooper, who would barely squeak by 1,000-yard seasons. Like, he wasn't lighting it up 1,800-yard seasons. Like, Derek Carr didn't exactly have, like, the best of weapons. Also, they got rid of Amari Cooper. It wasn't until, like, Darren Waller came around and then Hunter Renfro in the slot, who had a career year last year. How much of that was because of Derek Carr, too? He's had a very poor offensive line since he came into the league. One of the five worst offensive lines collectively in the NFL per PFF. And this excludes two seasons in which PFF had their offensive line as a top five offensive line. So collectively in his career, you're talking about a bottom five offensive line for Derek Carr. They moved from one city to another. Like you think that's just like, oh yeah, we're just going to get up and go and it's going to be no problem. Like, Dude had to handle all of that and be a leader for the team. All you Raider fans, you guys love Devontae Adams, right? Like, oh shit, Devontae, Devontae. Guess what? He's not a Raider if it's not for Derek Carr. He came over because, yeah, they're boys, but also he realized like, yo, yeah, he's my boy, but he could also play or else I wasn't going to jeopardize my money and my career and my legacy as a potential Hall of Famer to just go play with my boy. It's like, no, this dude is definitely a baller. And that's why he went over there. And what's the knock on him? That he's not Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? Like, all right, you're talking about like two of the four best quarterbacks in the league. But he's stable. He was a guy who kept the organization consistent at that position despite all the chaos that was going around him. And what's the one thing that I always talk about with teams coming into a season? What was your record in one-score games? Last year, 8-2 and two were the Raiders. 4-0 in overtime. This year, they're 4-8 and eight in one-score games. They've blown, I think now it's five double-digit leads in, in, in games this year in which they were winning, and three of them were like 17-point leads in, in the second half as Derek Carr's fault now. And let's take it a step further. This year, they're four and eight in one-score games. They're six and 10 overall. What happens if we flip that? What happens if they were eight and four in one-score games? We're looking at a team that's 10 and six, probably is resting guys heading into week 18, not having to play for anything because they've already clinched a, a playoff seed the way, the way like the Bucks in the NFC. They're no matter what, they're going to be the four seed. So there's questions of, oh, are we even going to play anyone in this game? The New York Giants, the same thing. The Giants are a six seed no matter what happens. So that's probably where the Raiders are at if it wasn't for the one-score games going against them, which we knew was going to happen because year in, year out, we always talk about this. If there's one thing you take away from like NFL content with VM, it's like, yo, that record in one-score games, it's a real thing because I'm telling you now, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Giants, all are amazing in one-score games this year. You can't expect that to happen next year. Maybe next year, that Washington call where the guy gets mugged in the end zone by the Giants' corner, 
that gets called a, a pass interference and it's first and goal on the one as opposed to it being a turnover and Daniel Jones is going and kneeling the ball there. So these are the kind of things like one year those calls go in your direction. The other year they don't. And then this is what happens here. So to me, I think Derek Carr still has a lot left in the tank. He's 31 years old. Yeah, it's a big cap hit. But I think he moves on and he goes to the team. Now he'll have a chance to pick where he wants to go also potentially. Um, there are some numbers that are going to have to be worked out by the Raiders. I think if they cut them, they save, I think, $60 million. But then they're still liable for $45 million next year. So it all depends what happens. But I think you've seen the last of Derek Carr in a Raiders jersey. And to all you Raider fans that were, you know, bitching and moaning about Derek Carr, enjoy what happens next. You're going to see. You're going to see. When, when that guy leaves, you're going to see, like, the unstableness of your organization at that position, which is the most important position in professional American sports, what happens when a guy like Derek Carr isn't there. So be careful what you wish for, right? Because you might get it, and then you're going to realize what you had. I, I went through it with Eli Manning, right? The last, like, four or five seasons with Eli Manning, I was like, yo, get this guy out, get this guy out. And now every time I see an Eli Manning commercial, a tear just strolls down my cheek. I'm like, damn, I miss that dude. I miss that dude. Obviously, Eli Manning way more accomplished than Derek Carr, but, but this idea of just having a starter and a legitimate franchise player, that's what you get with Derek Carr. So, shouts to Derek Carr, man. I, I would love him on the Giants, that's for sure. Give me a guy like him on the New York Giants. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Lamar Jackson. Had a video uh, go a little bit viral earlier in the year talking about how Lamar Jackson is the most disrespected NFL quarterback of his generation. And I would even go a step further. I think he might be entering that all-time most disrespected quarterback because what's happening in Baltimore is very interesting. They have yet to pay him. They went into this year not having agreed on a contract. He's Amongst his peers, he's the most accomplished quarterback. Amongst all those guys that have gotten paid, we're excluding Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is one of the MVP. Mahomes is the clear-cut best of his generation right now. He's a minus 900 favorite to win MVP this year. So basically, he's going to be a two-time MVP. Due for 5,000 yards again. And we're excluding Mahomes, right? Like, all right, Lamar is not Mahomes. No shit. No one in the league is. He's won more games than Josh Allen prior to this. We're talking about prior to the season. Last year, they were the one seed, and then he got hurt, and then they missed the playoffs. You see what Baltimore looks like now without him. They are not as good of a team offensively without him. And you're just, if you're Lamar, like, why would you go back to Baltimore? Dude, a team in your division paid Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract, and there is. So much shit around that guy. This guy, he's not even out there on fourth downs. Fourth and one, they're not even putting him out there. It's like, bro, if I pay you $250 million, you got to be able to at least pick up a fourth and one for me. Like, why am I bringing in Jacoby Brissett? Like, what is happening? Like, this is crazy. And that's who got paid. One of his peers got paid. And we, we know about the chaos that ensued with him off the field, right? But Lamar didn't get paid. That guy got paid. Kyler Murray got paid. Way more accomplished than Kyler Murray. All these guys have gotten the bag. And if you're Lamar, you're looking at it like, yo, why would I, why would I go back to Baltimore? Why not, why not go pick at a litter? Why not look at a team like the Jets? 
If I'm watching that Jet game yesterday, I'm saying to myself, like, yo, we got a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent. I think offensively, they got a lot of weapons. Yeah, the offensive line is bad, but that could be addressed in the draft. I think you could definitely do that. They got some skill players on defense that can make an impact. Franklin Myers, I was telling my buddy Chris, I was at his bar out here in Vegas, and we were watching the game. He's been on the show before, too. And we were watching the game. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to pretend to be like a Jets insider, but I feel like every time I watch the Jets, that guy Franklin Myers just makes plays. Just, he's always around the ball. He's always getting a clutch tackle for loss. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. And then you look at what they have in the secondary too. Now it was Sauce Gardner. I think he's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate moving forward. He, I think, has already locked up defensive rookie of the year. And if you're Lamar, like, you got Elijah Moore. You got Corey Davis, who I think gets severely disrespected for what he does with the New York Jets and amongst that fan base because of his contract. You look at Garrett Wilson, who's probably going to be offensive rookie of the year. You look at Brees Hall, Michael Carter, like, they, they got some real, real legit weapons over there. And who knows what they're going to do this offseason, too. They have some cap space as well. So if you're Lamar, like, I think, I really think it's over for him in Baltimore. I think moving forward, I don't know what Baltimore is going to do, but why would you, why would you stay there if you're Lamar? Like, what more did they need to see from you? Like, they're with you every day. They've seen your production. And it was just, it, if he was super petty, he would leave. And I don't know Lamar like that. I would, I would look to leave. Be like, yo, word, you didn't pay me? And I'm, I'm better than all these guys that have gotten paid with the exception of one who's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But all these guys have gotten paid over me, and I'm, I've won an MVP. I win my division. I make the playoffs every time I'm healthy. Uh, I'm the hardest matchup for anyone week in, week out. And your, your best decision for me was what? What was the best weapon that they got him? Bateman? He missed time also. Mark Andrews, yeah, he's a really good tight end, one of the top five tight ends in the league. But you're looking at it and you're saying to yourself, like, yo, this is what you're giving me? And you don't want to pay me? And I'm productive? I don't know, man. If, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm really considering the New York Jets because they have a lot of talent and they'll probably finish, they'll probably finish last in their division, which is crazy because I feel like they overachieved this year. And they got eliminated yesterday by losing to the Seahawks. Like, look, Mike White, Mike White is way better than Zach Wilson, but he's also not a franchise quarterback. And I think one of my favorite sayings over the last couple of years has become both could be true. And, like, both of those statements can be true. Mike White, massive upgrade over Zach Wilson, but also it's, it's Mike White who was a practice squad guy and he was third on the depth chart. There's a reason why you still need a quarterback. So there you have it for this episode of Veterans Minimum. Before we preview some of the games this week, when I get Allen on and we talk for week 18, there's no Monday winners this week. And I'll tell you why. Because be very, very careful betting this weekend's games. I said it last week too on Twitter. We didn't get to record last week. If you haven't checked out the year in review, go and check that out. But yo, for the love of all betting gods, all football gods, all gods that you believe in, do not bet games because a team is motivated to win. You fell for the trap last year when the Colts as a 15-point favorite on the road lost outright to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That shit does not matter. Don't do that. First of all, the lines are already inflated and the lines, the, the sports books are not idiots. They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, this team is 
this team is motivated. Let's lessen the lines. Like, no, the lines are right for a reason. You're not gaining an edge. No team is going to play harder because they're motivated. We've seen it time and time out. The sports books clean up this week. What you should look for, and shouts to my guy, Will Blackman. I talked about it on the pod with him many months ago and last year when we were doing the show together for WinBet. It's incentive week. And it's known around the locker room. Like if a guy needs four passes to be caught in order for him to hit a hundred catch bonus to win a quarter of a million dollars, the players say that shit amongst themselves. Will has told me that. He's like, yeah, bro, we go into games and it's week 18. We have nothing to play for. We're like, yo, Bill, how many rushing yards do you need? Oh, I need 53. All right, bet. Let's get him 53 yards so he can get his bonus. Like that is something you should consider. Last, last year, we built out the incentives parlay. And I think Mike Evans fell like one catch short of it, but he hit his yardage and he hit his touchdown bonus in that same game. You saw Gronk. I believe it was last year. He caught a pass and that led to a million dollar incentive. So this week, Look at the incentives. Guys go out. I guarantee you it is a known fact. They go out and they say, yo, this guy needs this to happen. This guy needs that to happen. And players will force feed him the ball in order for that to happen. So it is incentive week. Don't fall for the motivational stuff. I'm telling you, it is not the case. Talk to NFL players and they tell me, it's like, dude, we just want to hope we want to leave week 18 or week 17 at the time and not have to worry about going into the offseason with an injury. But they also do want to get their bag, and that's why it's incentive week. So we'll be back with some incentives this week. We'll be back with more VM. Thank you all for listening. Support the show any way you can, even if it means just mentioning it on social media. It goes a long, long way. And we'll catch you later this week on Veterans Minimum. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com